Come on. Three more people are getting baptized as I'm, I'm going to share. Bands, stay up here. We're going to get back into worship in just a little bit. Well, God is moving. And uh, we've been talking about how many of y'all saw the Grammys a couple weeks ago when they had like satanic worship on TV or you saw a clip about it. If you missed it, don't go looking for it. It was just trash. But um, I'm sorry. That's what it was. The singing, maybe they've got good voices, but worshiping the devil is just, it's a waste of our time and it's, and it's destructive. And that's what was happening. Hollywood was worshiping the devil. And that night I turned it off and I was like, this is terrible. I rebuke this in Jesus name. And I heard the Lord say, if they're going to be bold about worshiping the devil, the church has got to get bold about worshiping Jesus. And it was literally that same week that revival sparked at Asbury, the week of Super Bowl and, um, Asbury's been experiencing this outpouring. Then it started touching Lee University, Texas A&M, Baylor, uh, Oklahoma Baptist University, ORU. Colleges all over our nation are starting to encounter a revival. And then the movie Jesus Revolution came out this week. How many of y'all saw that movie or you plan to see it? So good. It's the story of when an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a revival, hit America back in the 60s and 70s. And the story is so good. It's, I mean, the movie has all the, the human side of what was happening, but also the Holy Spirit moving. And we went and saw it the other night with our kids. Ashton and I took uh, the two older ones. We didn't know what was going to be in the movie, but uh, they like leaned over in the movie. They're like, what are drugs? And we were like, don't do them, you know? Because the people in the movie, they were doing drugs and they were going to Woodstock and they were going to see bands and concerts and they were on acid trips and they were, you know, taking heroin and they were thinking that drugs would finally fix their problems. But what was happening to the hippies in that time is that they were realizing drugs aren't enough. Drugs won't fix what only God can fix. And this is where revival hit is because they had hit the bottom of the barrel. And I was talking with our friend Ginger. I don't know where Ginger is. Ginger, stand up over here. She's been part of Victory for 40 years. She got saved. She was a hippie. She was a druggie. And the Holy Spirit touched her life. She said, once I got high on the Holy Spirit, I never went back to the drugs. And, but we were talking about how what happened in that movie is revival hit. And it started hitting college students, young adults. Well, here we are 50 years later. And God's doing something new and fresh again in a different way with a new generation. And it's powerful. And so uh, we just asked and we were talking during the movie. We were like, man, it's just so cool how God orchestrated what's happening. And we want him to keep moving, you know. Um, someone asked me, I went to go get a hoagie, a sandwich the other day. Y'all are like, what's a hoagie? It's a sandwich. And I was at the sandwich shop, and they, the guy there, he said, hey, I've been coming to your church a little more frequently. And I said, awesome. He said, you guys been in that revival, right? I said, yeah. And he goes, but it ended on Wednesday night. It's all over now, right? I said, well, the service ended Wednesday night, but I think the revival is just beginning. I think the outpouring of God is just beginning. He said, why do you say that? I said, I feel like God is drawing his church Back to the basics of repentance and salvation and worship. And we've got this cross set up here. This, this week, we've got crosses all around the room because the cross is the invitation to come and receive the forgiveness of your sins. And what's been happening at many of these places and right here is people are just repenting to God. If you got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We shout for the first scripture. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. I want to tell you about one of the first big outpourings of the Holy Spirit, first big revivals that hit the church. And it was in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Peter was preaching. He says, repent. Which repent, by the way, is not grabbing a microphone and publicly confessing your sins. Repentance starts just with you and God. And going to God and saying, Lord... I've been wrong, I've been selfish, I've given into my flesh, I've allowed pride and lust and fear and what I want to drive me into dark places, and then, God, I need your mercy, repentance, turning to God, saying, I am done with the ways of the world. At the foot of the cross, it's level ground, which means that none of us stand higher than another brother. We all need Jesus, we all need his mercy. You might be in the room and go, well, I don't need the cross. You know, I've, I've not sinned as bad as some of these other people. Listen, when you were born, you were born into a world full of sin. And sin comes, and, and whether it's the sin of just impatience, anger, frustration, or the sin of lust or pride 
or the sin of just going your own way, rebellion. Yeah, God's, God's changing someone's life over here in the water baptism tank. Come on. I, I think this might be our last person from now. Whoever knows who's next. But what's happening is people are turning to God. They're repenting and recognizing, I can't live my life without God. They're coming to the cross. Well, Peter said in Acts 3.19, repent, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I have felt like, many people have felt like God is purifying his church because he wants to bring times of refreshing. This is the next part of Acts 3.19. He says, repent so that you can experience refreshing. The refreshing doesn't come until you repent. We're in a moment where the refreshing times of God are about to hit the church. But before that times of refreshing can come, there's got to be a repentance. There's got to be a coming to the cross. There's got to be a consecration, a laying down of our weights, our sins, our burdens, our shame, our guilt, addictions. People are literally just getting free in the last few weeks. And I think that's a good thing. If you're critical and you go, I don't know if God's moving, y'all addicts are getting free. I think God's moving when an addict gets free. If you've ever been in an addiction, you know what I'm talking about. It's powerful when someone gets delivered. Not only that, but God's drawing churches together. This past week, as we were praying and worshiping, we had made space. We had, our Victory College students had asked if they could do a 48-hour prayer time. And it just so happened that it was connected with the same week that this was happening. And so we moved it up to flow right out of the 11 a.m. service last Sunday. And that 48 hours turned into 94 hours because people didn't want to stop praying and worshiping. People were just hungry. And pastors started coming from other churches. And leaders started coming from Believer's Church and Common Ground Church and Transformation and Life Church and people coming from all around. People drove here from Kansas this week just coming to pray and worship and coming to the cross and repenting of sins. And then people experiencing the peace that comes from forgiveness. And it was so powerful. And this is why I think we're not at the end. I think we're really just at the beginning because times of refreshing are about to hit and God wants to refresh his church. When I came in the room on Wednesday night, I felt like our, our church had just gone through a car wash. You know, when the car wash happens, but it wasn't just an outside car wash, it was an inside car wash. It was inside and outside. It was like the Holy Spirit was just washing us, purifying us. God wants his house just to continue to get stronger and pure. I don't know about your car, but my car needs a car wash every now and then. Not just once every 20 years, but I think like once a month if I can get it. But how often does the church so, so very rarely come and say, Lord, wash our hands. This is what James 4 verse 8 says. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's an invitation for all of us. Everybody say, draw near. If you're a note taker, I want you to just write that down. James 4 verse 8, the invitation, draw near. And then he says, wash your hands. What does that mean? He says, just invite the Holy Spirit to wash you of sin of anger, of motives, of thoughts, maybe sins you acted on, sins you didn't act on. Lord, start with me. Wash me, purify me. Cleanse me, God. Make me more like you. God, cleanse us of anything that's holding us back. Ron, you had a word for us. Ron McIntosh has been helping lead a lot of what God's doing here along with many others, my mom and Greg Ford, different ones. Tell them what you feel like we're in the middle of right now. Ladies and gentlemen, revivals come to America. That's where we're in the middle. It was my honor and privilege to host with Sheila Walsh the live event at Asbury this week. And as we were going back and forth in the interview and going live under the campus, when you take a look at what was transpiring with those young people, totally consecrating themselves to Jesus Christ. And the only thing I can call it is they were all in. And I can tell you right now that this is not business as usual right now, friends. It's not business as usual for your life. It's not business as usual for this church. It's time for us to be all in. I was sitting there and we're dialoguing back and forth with Sheila Walsh and she said, Ron, what do you think's happening right now in America? And I said, it's Joshua 3.5. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. I'm going to do great things, do amazing things. Now listen to me carefully. 
because God said to me, you need to divide that verse in two. He said, we're in stage one right now. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. He said, but stage two is coming. For I'm going to do amazing things. The word amazing that is used in the Hebrew there means to go beyond your ability. In other words, it's not our ability. It's his ability. He says, go on. And, and the thing that I've begun to see was these students didn't want to keep it on the Asbury campus. They said, this is not for us here at Asbury. He said, this is to go to the world. And this is how you know when revival has happened. When you can't keep it to yourself any longer. I want to tell you something right now. If you've been here in this last week and you've experienced what's transpired here, Whatever it's like somewhere else, I know it's been here. I've I've been here. I've felt the tangible presence of the Lord. You should not be able to keep it to yourself. We've got to take what's here, and we've got to give it away to our community. There ought to be somebody that we ought to be inviting to come be a part of, to be a partaker of what God is doing. Because amazing things are about to come out of the consecration that God has given us right now. Come on. How many of y'all receive that right now? God, I pray that, Lord. I pray, God, just that you would do a fresh work in our hearts. I pray that you'd break off just religiosity and and things that have held us back, hurts and wounds and mis... God, just things that we misunderstood. I pray, God, that you would just do a fresh thing in our lives today. In Jesus' name. So this past week, my grand-grand turned 99 years old. 99 years young, and I asked her if she would share just a word on what we're experiencing right now, and so she's, she's going to share a quick word with us. How many already received some wisdom from 99 years of life? Grand Grand, first off, happy birthday. We love you. We celebrate you. And for those of you that don't know, Grand Grand works full-time in the church, 40 hours a week. She's here. She's praying. She's counseling. She's interviewing new employees. She's sitting with church members. And I just thank God for those genes in my family. I claim Grand Grand's genes of energy. She still lives alone. She oftentimes goes in her yard, looks after her garden or flowers, or she'll find new baby trees. She'll call me and say, Paul, you want a new tree? I'll say, yes. I'll take. She knows I like trees. And... Um, I think we're really blessed to have Grand Grand in the house today. I think she's really, I mean, we stand up for Bishop T.D. Jakes when he's in the room. I think we could just for a second honor Grand Grand, who's just as powerful as a guest speaker like Bill Johnson or, you know, John Maxwell or Darius Daniels. I think we got a guest speaker in the house today that's just as powerful. Grand Grand Darty here. She's your Grand Grand too. Well, y'all could be seated. Grand Grand, would you just say a word about what you sense is happening in the connection? Okay. Well, God is moving, as you've heard, and you are feeling it now. But um, I grew up in the country, and uh, we had a church that was just very small. I grew up in a typical church in the Wildwood, you could call it. But uh, in years past... My uncle, that was my mother's brother, he had um, really been called to preach when he was 16 years old. And my um, grandmother, my granddad, had passed away. They had moved from Georgia and the Carolinas my, on my grandmother's side, my mother's side, my grandmother, and then her dad. They had moved from there to North Louisiana. and. Um, There never had been a church there. There never had been a school there. So they homesteaded land, and then they donated land to build the first church and the first school school in that area. And then later on, um, the granddad passed away, and mother had a little sister, and and one brother just a little older, but then she had other brothers and sisters. But when... uh, this brother used to come to our house a lot because my grandmother lived with us in her old age. And he would tell things that happened as he was growing up. And he said he was called to preach when he was 16. And he, 
I don't know where, how he found it, but he found a school in Wilmore, Kentucky that he could go to. And um, then they told him if he would work, because it was a farming school or agriculture school also, he could get his tuition paid. So he said he left and started walking to try to catch a bus. It was about close to 20 miles from where they lived. But he said he got about halfway and uh, he couldn't go any further. So he turned around and went back and told my grandmother, I'm not going. I cannot go off and leave you and my two little sisters to work this farm, so I'm not going. And he said she, she stuck her finger right in his face and said, you've been called to preach, and you are going, and you're going to preach. So he went and graduated, and uh, they sent him to Magnolia, Arkansas. And, uh, of course, he said, showed me a picture of the church that we went to. It was just a frame church, and he said they didn't have a lot of members, but, and they couldn't pay him a lot. So he would uh, buy houses of older people that wanted to go live with their children, and he would either get someone to fix them up or he would sell them. So those years, I um, grew up and... Um, during World War II, I moved to New Orleans. My husband was stationed there, and I worked in the shipyard during that time. But then after the war, my husband went to work for Halliburton, and they sent him to Magnolia, Arkansas, to preach. And so I grew, I had, years after then, my, after he got transferred, and I remembered what my uncle had said, that he had houses to rent. So I called him and said, now he had been there about 20 years and we were Methodists. And so when I grew up, they moved the Methodist preachers about every three years. But uh, anyway, he had been there 20 years and I hadn't been moved. And when I called him and I said, do you happen to have a house that we can move into? We're moving to Magnolia. And he said, well, it just so happens. You know, God planned a lot of things. He said, it just so happens they're moving me to Hot Springs next week, and you can move in my big house just across the road from the church. So that is where my three sons grew up, and um, the church, years later, began to get old and was trying to decide. My husband was chairman of the board, so they were having a lot of meetings trying to decide whether to re spend a lot of money, really, to repair it. But uh, then there was three doctors wanted to buy it and build a clinic. They wanted to tear down the church and have a clinic there. So we bought land out close to the college where Billy Joe, if y'all have heard, a lot of you heard, that he played football and got a scholarship there. And when we got ready to move into the church, we had a preacher, a pastor, that was named Swift. See, God had plans. And um, he really didn't stay there quite three years. He was moved after then to a church that paid more than we did. But he had a beautiful daughter that could really sing. And uh, it's my mom. <laughs> yes. And so it really didn't take Billy Joe long to fall in love with that beautiful girl that could sing. You kind of know the other rest of it then. And then years later, Sharon's mother moved to Tulsa. And we were just sitting talking, girl talk, and uh, what we did when we was growing up. And she said, well, I worked at a pharmacist. And I had never heard that before. I said, where did you work at a pharmacist? She said, in Wilmore, Kentucky. What were you doing in Wilmore, Kentucky? That is where Clyde took his training to be a preacher. At Asbury. At Asbury. Yeah, at Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. And I never knew that until she told me. But then it just kind of, that was the same college that my uncle went to and come back and preached at Ivor Church that, the, that my children heard. And I just know in my heart God had all of this on his mind, had victory on his mind, even then, 
that he also would want a revival here at the same time up there to get more people concerned and saved, just like this morning. Wasn't that wonderful this morning? But, but it was. But, but, and so it is so exciting. But you know, Sharon, we used to sing the song, Revive Us Again. And you know, revive is the first part of revival. So people can get revived again, because I remember that song, and you sung it sometimes, revive us again, praise the Lord, hallelujah, revive us again. So I know it's not just for the young people, it's for the old people too, to get revived again. And, and it's powerful. Tell them about how uh, the story about the corn and the farm that you grew up on. Okay. Well, as I said, I grew up on a farm, and uh, we planted just about everything we ate. We also had a lot of cows. We always had beef. We always had pork because we had a lot of hogs and all, too. And God, took, even in the Depression, we never was hungry because we always could grow what we could eat. And uh, there was some things mother would sell butter to get meal, which is what, and flour, which we couldn't really raise that on the farm that we had. But God took care of us, and we planted a lot of corn because we had a lot of animals, and we loved corn. Every one of us really loved corn, and there was many ways mother could fix it. We even made hominy, if you know what hominy is, out of corn. And uh, so it was a lot that we had. And every fall, when we gathered the corn, because Dad never had a tractor, and we was, had to have a wagon and a mule to bring it in. But when they would get ready to unload it, my dad was right there watching. And he would pick out this ear and that ear and that ear. And uh, then he threw it over in the corner at the crib. And he told all of us kids, now, I know it'd be easy to just reach over and get that if you want to feed the animals, but I'm telling you now, do not touch that corn because that is my seed corn. And if we want to have corn next year, we have to have good seed to plant. And also, there was one field that he planted the corn in that was the biggest field we had, and it was further from my house, but he would... And he didn't have a tractor, so he had a mule and a plow to go over there. And, but he said, this is the best land to plant corn right here. So every year he replanted corn in that same place. And always we had a good crop of corn. And I have, through the years, I've thought about it. And I think that's what God wants with us, too, is to have good seed to plant in good ground. And I really do believe that God did want a big revival here at Victory too, And uh, I'm so happy to hear what's going on, but um, I still think we can do that revive us again if we've kind of got slack and just have it, not only for the, just call for the young people, but for every one of us. Come on. How many of y'all received that wisdom from Grand Grand today? You know, there's so many things about what she shared. One of them is the fact that she has that great of memory at 99 years. The details that she was speaking with is so powerful. And the fact that she has been standing in this church, praying and worshiping. And I remember about seven, eight years ago, I asked her, I said, Grand Grand, is, is, is service okay? You, you know, are you enjoying what God's doing here? She said, yeah, why? I said, well, you know, some people get critical get, you know, upset that we're wearing jeans and we're not wearing suits and ties and the music's a little louder. And, and she goes, oh, I just love that God's moving here. And I love that Grand Grand has leaned in with just an expectancy to let God move. And that's our hearts, that we would continue to let, just let God move in your life today. You know, she was talking about sowing seed. I want to encourage you today. We're going to give right now if you want to be a part of giving. And you could text to give or do it online. There's envelopes on the back of the chair. But think about the harvest you're praying for in your life. Maybe some of you are believing for breakthrough in your family, your finances, your marriage. Maybe you're believing God for transportation, maybe college tuition. Think about what seed you're sowing to believe that harvest. And... As we get ready to give, I don't know if you saw the video earlier in service when Josh was talking, but the Dream Center, we just acquired a new building in West Tulsa. 
and we are getting ready to staff it and then get it up and running fully during the week to serve West Tulsa. It's in an area where there's crack homes all around it, people that have meth labs, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's literally ministering to people that um, a lot of prostitution in that area, a lot in that area, there's a lot of crime that's happened. I think it's a prime spot for Victory to set up camp and bring Jesus and bring heaven down to earth in that part of West Tulsa. We've already had Tim and I, Tim Newton, who helps lead the North Tulsa Dream Center. We were having lunch. We were eating burgers at a place over there. And they were just telling us just all the, the, the needs of that area. There's a lot of need. And so as we sow seed, we're believing God to minister to people in that area. North, again, we want to surround Tulsa. We want to have something in East Tulsa and South ministering to people here. And the world needs what God's doing here. So as we sow seed today, we're believing he's going to use it to go and grow and build his kingdom to advance in the earth. And I want us to pray right now. Lord, I just pray over every person that's giving. I thank you, God, that you see the needs they have. You see the prayer requests they're praying. God, those that are giving online, I thank you, Lord, you see them in other countries, in other states. And I pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit. God, not just for us to encounter powerful worship and prayer, but I pray for businessmen and women that have been praying for their companies to take off. They've been praying for breakthroughs and promotions and God, just, Lord, inventions, things they've started and they've been waiting. And I pray, God, this would be a year that you would just increase men and women God, to be a kingdom impact with their finances. I pray, God, for those that have just been praying, Lord, for things to turn around, God, in their finances, that this would be a year, Lord, that you, God, bring a revival that touches every part of their life, their marriage, their family, their health, their finances, God, their resources. And Lord, use us to be an impact locally and globally for your glory. I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And God, that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we could ask, hope, dream, or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to keep flowing. We're going to go into worship here in just a minute and communion. If you don't have your communion elements, just keep your hand raised. Our ushers will come and bring it to you. But before the ushers come to receive the offering, can I share a word on my heart with you all today? Um, If you know, we were talking about what it looks like to draw near to God, to experience times of refreshing. And as I was listening to Grand Grand share, it reminded me of a story I heard. And this is a a true story. If you've heard it before, just hang with me because I think it's so important for what's happening right now in our church, in our nation. There was a town on the Mississippi River in 1763 called Little Gulf. And it became the most populated town in Mississippi. It was more popular than Jackson, Mississippi. Later on, they renamed Little Gulf to be called Rodney, Mississippi. Rodney was prosperous. It was built on the river. Hotels were started. Restaurants were started. Churches were started. People would flock to Rodney by the tens of thousands. Beautiful neighborhoods were built up. Similar to what we're seeing over in Bixby area as neighborhoods are popping up. Seems like every day there's a new neighborhood, more homes being built. Thousands of people moved to Rodney, Mississippi because of how beautiful it was on the river. But what no one could imagine or foresee to happen began to happen. Three miles outside of the city, debris began to build up. Hurricanes, storms happened, and no one was paying attention to the water. And the debris began to shift the water's direction, inch by inch each year. As the water began to shift, the city wasn't built on both sides of the river, just one side. The water gradually began to move away from the hotels. What was once full of water became an empty, dry riverbed. And within 20 years, the the river had shifted two miles away. A forest had grown between the restaurants, the hotels, the churches. They couldn't even see the water anymore. As the river shifted, the town started decreasing. Nobody realized it, but companies started shutting down. Restaurants started shutting down. Hotels started shutting down. Churches became empty. What was once the most popular city in Mississippi... Today is now a ghost town. Literally, no one lives there. Churches are empty. What was once the most populated church in that state of Mississippi is now a ghost church. It's a ghost hotel. There's no one there. Here's the point of the story. The town did not realize that their prosperity, 
their ability to grow was connected to the river. If we disconnect from the river, I promise you, little by little, we will lose whatever life we have. What is the river? The river is the Holy Spirit. The river is the uncompromised word of God. The river is prayer. It's worship. It's keeping the focus on Jesus. Y'all, the only celebrity in this church is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. We don't want any attention on a man on a stage. We want all the attention on Jesus. He said, if you lift me up, I'll draw all men unto me. When things get twisted, when things get weird, when things start becoming about a person, this, is, this started to happen in that movie, Jesus Revolution. There was this guy, he started wanting to make it about himself. And Ashley leaned over to me. She said, how close is that line between being a vessel used by God to becoming prideful and making it about yourself? How important it is to keep our egos on the altar. How important it is to keep, this is why Lucifer lost his position, because he started making it about himself. And what happened in this town is they got disconnected from their source of life. How many businessmen and women, as soon as God starts prospering our companies, God's prospering your businesses, how are we willing to stay on the altar and say, God, it came from you in the first place. So I'm going to continue to honor you. I'm going to continue to trust you. During the drought seasons, during the mountaintop seasons, during the valley, when things are good, I'm telling you, if we'll stay connected to the river. So what is the debris that builds up? What is the debris? We're going to get ready to go into worship here in just a moment. But here, I believe this is the debris that blocks the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The first part of the debris is offense. It's getting offended at one another. What can stop a revival so fast is when people start getting sideways with one another. Angry and offended. You did me wrong. You owe me injustice. When we get offended, we become entitled. When we become entitled, we start building up walls and we start locking ourselves in rooms and nobody's allowed in because they hurt us. But can I tell you, revivalists are quick forgivers. People who want to experience an outpouring of God, they're quick to forgive because they know how much they need forgiveness. When I realize what the cross has done for me, then I can extend forgiveness to people who've hurt me. What I want God to do in our church is I want him to break down walls and barriers. The other night, one of our, our church members, she's a dream teamer, she came down here, Celia. She came down here and she started sharing. She said, God started working in my heart during the heart healer course that we offer here, Restore Class. She said, I realized I've been holding hurt against my mom and dad. And she said, I had, to, I had to forgive them. And she said, I just decided to call them instead of waiting for them to apologize. I said, I don't care who's right. Whether I was right, you were right. I just want to be reconciled. When we let go of the need to be right, we can be reconciled. When we let go of the need to get our, our feelings, you know, they need to pay me back. When we can release forgiveness, I'm telling you, revival's right around the corner. When forgiveness starts to flow, the river starts to come back into your business, starts to come back in your house. How many of y'all have had, had temptation to be offended by someone even in the last week? I've been, I've been tempted to be offended at my kids in the last 48 hours. When they say, you're not spending enough time. I've been spending all this time with you. You know, but whatever it is, let it go. Number two, the second thing that builds debris is pride. Pride. John the Baptist, when people started leaving his ministry to go to Jesus, he said, good, I must decrease. He must increase. It's not about me. It's about him. It's all about you, Jesus. I asked my mom, I said, mom, what do you think the key is? For longevity in ministry. She said, I've, I've continued to sing that song. It's all about you, Jesus, and all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me, as if you should do things my way. For you alone are God, and I surrender. She said, that's the song that's kept me just continuing to let God. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about my way. Pride is debris that blocks the river. Pride begins to build up. It becomes me-centered. It gets selfish. Pride can turn you into a Pharisee where you start judging moves of God, and you go, well, let me tell you my opinion here. There's enough opinions for everything out there. What God's looking for is less opinions and more humility. You know, I think about how the Pharisees during Jesus' time, they were the original Yelp critics, the Google reviews. They were, they were watching the move of God, and they were like, let me leave a review. I'm going to give one and a half star. Because he was kind of good when he said this, 
But when he didn't feed us on the third day, when he didn't, and that we become critical of moves of God. Let me tell you about my thoughts on the Asbury. How about we stop giving our reviews and opinions and just ask the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and, and, and invade our lives? But pride will keep us in a place of thinking, I've arrived, I know it all, I don't need God, and it blocks God from moving. Number three, debris is envy. Envy, it's a root of strife. It leads to quarrels. It can't stand seeing other people succeed ahead of itself. It can't celebrate spiritual success of others. It seeks out the spotlight. It seeks to squash God moving in other people's lives. Envy can cause you to look at something and instead of celebrating it, you start trying to figure out ways why it's not real, why it's not actually happening. King Saul lost his position in the kingdom of Israel because he got his eyes on David. He said, they're praising David. They're not praising me. At the end of the day, y'all, we should all be just praising God, celebrating what God's doing. But comparison is a sure road to block the river. As we start getting in that envy, it can block what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Fourthly, religiosity, this Pharisee mentality, keeping it all about our traditions, all about what we think God can fit in our box. God will not fit in a box. You can't trap him in your ways of how he did something in 1996 or 1966. God will not be conformed into the image of man. God is on the move, and he's touching people's hearts in Gen Z. He's touching people's hearts in the millennial move. He's touching people's hearts in whatever generation you are. God wants to show himself real to you, but we've got to break off that religious mindset that says, I know how God moves because God's moving in a new way. He says, get ready for the new thing in Isaiah. The last one here that I think builds up debris is the spirit of death. It's the spirit of finality. It's thinking it's over for me. God could never use me again. I've been knocked down on every side. I'm exhausted. I'm done. But God says, if there's breath in your lungs, there's hope for your future. God's not done. You might feel like Lazarus. You might feel like you've been wrapped up in death. But I got good news for you. Jesus has showed up at your tomb today. And he's saying, Lazarus, come forth. I love the story of Blaine. His wife's been praying for him. He thought maybe he was a lost cause, but today was a new day of resurrection life for Blaine. I'm praying for some Lazaruses in the room that have thought about throwing in the towel. We talked to a young girl that came down at the altar the other night. She said, I was, I was thinking about committing suicide this week. But she said, I felt the love of God drawing me to a place of surrender that God still has a plan for my life. See, today I want to break off every curse that the enemy has spoken over you, every label. It's time to rip it off. Would you stand your feet all over this place? God, I just pray right now as we get ready to take communion and worship, Lord, that you would breathe resurrection power. God, in those who feel dead, those who feel spiritually dry, those who have lost their passion, God, those that came in cynical, those that came in with shame, those that have walked in with condemnation, that today, God, you would rip off the labels of done, of defeated, and God, you would speak a new word of victory back into their heart. God, speak a new message of hope and resurrection power revive us again in Jesus name restore what the devil has tried to steal and God break down walls that have been built up because of pride and church hurt and offense and disappointment God where people have pushed people away that today would be like Joseph and his brothers reconciling walls are going to come down in Jesus name hurts God, I pray, Lord, as we get ready to take communion and worship, Lord, that you would begin to break our hearts for what breaks yours. I pray, God, for healing between husbands and wives, healing between fathers and daughters, sons and mothers. I pray, God, for reconciliation in families. Lord, I pray for restoration. I pray for salvation. God, for those that have been praying for a loved one to come to God, that today is a new day. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to hit our church like never before. Lead us to the cross. Lead us, God, to that place of surrender. God, I thank you for the wonderful cross that bids us to come and die and find that we can truly live. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be done with all the selfish ways of the world, God, that we would allow you to move in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, for everyone who feels like they're dead, God, that today you would breathe new life in them. New life fresh life, fresh wind, fresh fire.
there was a man by the name of Jim Cimbala. He wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. When I was in college, a, a, a teacher gave it to me and he said, read this book if you have a calling to ministry. And the book began with Jim having this vision. He said, I was called into ministry, but then I felt like I had failed because number one, he said, I just felt like I was too unqualified. I had too many flaws and I just wasn't the right pick. I wasn't a perfect guy. And then he said, I, I, I walked into my church and it just shrank over the course of a few months as I started preaching it, it instead of growing it just went down it dwindled down to two people and he said I came in on a Wednesday night and the only person in the room was my wife and then one homeless guy and he said I collapsed on the stairs and I started crying I said God why did you call me to ministry if, if all I do is fail I'm just a failure I'm a loser I can't even do this and he said I felt the presence of God hit when I began to weep with brokenness and I despaired at the thought that my life would pass by me without God moving through my life. How prideful it would be to believe that God cannot use our failures and flaws to move through our brokenness to reach a world that is caught in so much sin. That God would move through people like Peter, unqualified in the eyes of man. That God would move through a guy like Jim. He said, I started praying and worshiping and I realized God was attracted to weakness, that God was drawn to my vulnerability, that the more weak I was, the more his power showed up. He said, we started having prayer meetings in our small little church that was called Brooklyn Tabernacle. And then something took off. Songs from heaven started pouring out. Tens of thousands of people started rushing into this small church that exploded into a larger church today. Brooklyn Tabernacle has written songs that have touched the nations, but it started with a man weeping on the altar. And maybe you're here today and you just go, man, I, I'm desperate for God to move in my life. I need God. I need his mercy. If that's you, just leave your seat. Come and find a place at this altar. Bring your communion with you. Come. If you need to repent of sin, if you need to consecrate your heart to Jesus, just come down to the altar. This is open. It's open for any man, any woman, any staff member, any lay volunteer, any elder. If you just say, man, I need Jesus. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I am tired of, 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 of doing business as usual. I'm tired of allowing little sins to go unrepentant. God, I need you. If that's you all over this room, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to come and find a place at this altar. If you want to come and bow before the Lord, if you want to come and bow before the cross, today his mercy is here. His grace is here. If that's you, if you just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, come down to the altar. You're just here today and you just go, man, I just need a breakthrough. I just need God to change my life. It's been going a certain direction. I need God to change my life. I need him to heal my heart. Maybe you're here with wounds from what people have said to you, what they've done to you. Maybe you've been hurt by people and you're just saying, I just need God to help me forgive some people. I need God to help me reconcile. I need God to help me take the next step in my life. Lord, I just pray for everyone in the room, all my brothers and sisters, I pray God that you would draw us to the cross, draw us back to you. God, I just pray, Lord, for your mercy to arrest us this morning. Your kindness leads us to repentance. God, I thank you for what my friend Zion said this morning, God, that no matter what we've done, you love us. And your love is reaching out for every son, every daughter, every mother, every father. God, I just thank you, Lord, that your love is here. And God, you loved us so much. You gave your life for us. And, and you have a, a plan, a purpose for us. Lord, I pray for every person in the room that just needs that reminder today that God's not finished with you yet.
God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world but to save the world. So God, I thank you for your salvation today. I thank you for your forgiveness of our sins. God, I thank you, Lord, for healing in the room. Even if you're not at the altar from the back row in this room today, I promise you, God loves you. He wants to encounter you right there, right where you're standing. Right where you're standing. There was a young boy in England this past week who was watching online. And God just began to touch his heart right there in their apartment, right there in England. The same God that's moving right here at the front. He's moving across the room and those that are watching online. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just restore the joy of salvation for people in the room. Jesus, be the center of your church. take communion together all across this room if you want to pull out your communion elements and we're going to worship. Jesus was sitting with his disciples. If you want to sit down, you can right here at the altar or in your chair. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body that's been broken for you. And you know, before we take and eat this, I just feel like God wants to break us. It's good to be broken. It's good to be broken. It's good to have a broken heart. Not in, not in a way of, of sadness, but in a way of broken humility to say, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. God, I need your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would break in me anything that's not of you. Break, break, God, just uh, callousness, God. Break apathy. Break double-mindedness. Break hypocrisy, God. Break, break any way that's not of you. God, I want to be yours, God, every day of the week. I want to I be yours every hour of the day. As we take this bread and we eat it, we remember that Jesus broke his body for us so that we could have everlasting life. Let's eat it and remember what Jesus did. last Sunday before we went into our time of worship I didn't want to tell you all this but I felt like the Lord was saying Paul will you step down so that I can step up and I didn't know what that meant until we got into the service and I realized what he was saying he was saying I don't need you to stop being pastor I just need you to let me lead don't worry about controlling the time don't worry about controlling what happens, just let me lead. And that's what my prayer is. God, I want you to lead more. I want you to lead. I want you to lead us, God. What profit is it if we gain the whole world, but we lose our soul? God, I want you to lead us. Be the shepherd of our souls, God. You are the head of the church. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to keep victory in the river. Keep us connected to the source of life. It's not about lights or stages or screens or even a good sermon or a good worship song. It's about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Keep us in that place of just surrender to you. 
God, we're thankful for what you did on the cross. As we take this drink, we remember that you died for us and your blood washes away our sin. Today, if, if you're here in the room and you just need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just say it right now. Jesus, be my Savior. I believe in you. I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me. I receive your forgiveness and I forgive those who have hurt me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink this cup and remember what he did. Come on, Jesus. The ushers are going to pass some buckets down the aisle. We're just, we're going to stick our communion elements in there. We're just going to worship for a little bit. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit move right here. Go ahead, Lamar, Dom. Let's just sing this to the Lord. Jesus, be the center of it all. Jesus, be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Nothing sing that together just a little bit more Jesus be the center of my life sing it out Lord Jesus be the center of my life from beginning to the end it will always be it's always been you Jesus be the 
make this our final declaration today. Let's stand and sing it together. God, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. From the back row to the front row, let's just begin to sing it out to him. We join with the angels. We join with creation. We join with the heavens. We join with brothers and sisters across America, across Africa, across China, across Russia, across Ukraine, across South America, Central America, across Australia, God, in every country. Lord, we join with creation. Every tribe, every tongue, every generation. but let me just say this. God's on the move. And we're going to get the word out this week. We're going to have some pop-up prayer and worship services, some live prayer and worship moments that happen during the week. It could happen on Wednesday in the middle of the day, on lunchtime. could be on a Thursday night. could be something that happens on a Friday night. But I just sense God's not finished doing some outpouring moments in the church. But I just want to encourage you, like Ron said, next week, let's come with expectancy for God to move. We're moving into the month of March. Springtime is here. We're getting ready for God to birth some new, fresh buds in our life, something new that he wants to do. Let's come expectant. I love you. God bless you.